But the practice of meaning making, like working with the images, reading things, living life, having conversations, and finding meaning and understanding and finding connections, that for me, it is soul spiritual because it's this process of like, feeling like there's something small and separate and then it's connecting with something bigger and these webs just are like constant. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am really excited to be talking tarot with you today. Now, this is Psychologically Informed Tarot, and we are interviewing the amazing Jessica Dorr, who is the author of Tarot for Change, Using the Cards for Self-Care, Acceptance, and Growth. Jessica is a writer interested in meaning making through symbol and image with a special focus on Pamela Coleman Smith's art in the Rider Waite Smith Tarot deck. So Tarot for Change was Jessica's first book, and it's a set of reflections on the tarot that draws from the fields of contemporary psychology and behavioral science, among others. And by the New York Times book review, which is quite a compliment, it was called a generous, practical, and gently radical book. Her weekly newsletter offerings then braids together ideas from a range of fields, including but not limited to psychology, philosophy, mythology, folktales, religion, spirituality, and social work with the images, characters, and symbols from Smith's art in the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck. Now, Jessica holds a master's degree in social work and is licensed as a social worker in Pennsylvania, but she highlights that she's not a therapist. And actually, prior to social work school, she worked for several years in clinical psychology, self-help, and behavioral science book publishing, where she spent time with the founders and developers of acceptance and commitment therapy, what we know as ACT. And what she learned during this time informed much of when what went into her book, Tarot for Change, and her other writings. So you're going to hear a lot about Jessica's many interests in today's interview, um, including her horse riding lessons. But without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Jessica now. Welcome, Jessica. I am so excited to have you here on Wisdom for Wellbeing and um, and to get to chat around tarot cards and how these can be used to really support us in our journey, you know, through life and to ourselves. So thank you for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I mean, in truth, so listeners, this is unfortunate, well, fortunately in a lot of ways, but um, our mm-hmm. second time recording because I had a huge tech <laughs> glitch on my end. So, so we're interested to see how the conversation unfolds in, in this meeting. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. It's kind of like a thing that maybe 
we should do more often like with friends like let's go back and have that same conversation we had six months ago like let's talk about the same things and see how we've changed it's kind of cool actually yeah it, well it's a marker isn't it because I guess this is you know we are never the same people are we and, and there's so much opportunity for reflection and I wonder how you know would you mind sharing a little bit about what the tarot approach is just to start us off because I think that lens might then help listeners in understanding how much you know we can maybe see things differently at different points in time yeah I mean tarot just like in general kind of how I use it is that is that what you're asking yeah yeah Yeah. would would you share a bit about your tarot approach because it is unique yeah yeah sure um I mean I so I'm really interested in just like even much more broadly than tarot like image and metaphor um visuals like how these things have the power to stimulate different you know perspectives almost kind of like function as doorways or portals if you want to like kind of use some sort of um, maybe juicier language like that can kind of just bring us and kind of like carry us along somewhere that we weren't expecting to go and I think for me with tarot um, that has been a really big part of my practice so it's I use the cards the way that I describe the cards when I'm working with somebody with cards is that like we're going to think of them as doorways um, that we're going to walk through and kind of see what happens and who's there and what symbols are there and we're going to kind of poke around and see what comes up and use the cards to ask questions Um, and yeah it's really like exploratory I guess as opposed to something more prescriptive like each card has a set meaning and then when you pull it it tells you this fixed thing. Um, so it's, I mean, in, in many ways, it's about like imagination and creativity. Imagination and creativity, and I guess the lens that we might sort of see the world, see the cards through at this point in time, which, how did you get into working with tarot cards, Jessica? Like, I guess to hear a little bit about your background and kind of what's brought you onto this journey. Yeah, sure. Um, So I was living in California um, and working in book publishing. I worked for New Harbinger, which is a, um, I know you've had some New Harbinger uh, authors on as guests um, and people who are really involved with New Harbinger. Um, It's a self-help and psychology book publisher. And I was working there um, and one of my colleagues, who I worked with there at the time, um, whose name is Janice Fitch. Uh, she came to my house for a dinner party and brought tarot cards. And we were all kind of just, she like knew how to read cards. I didn't know really anything about them. My mom had cards when I was growing up. I was not really interested at all, um, but I was really interested in psychology. Like that job really got me into psychology. I, I like wasn't, I didn't have any background in psychology at all, but like working there, I was learning a lot about mindfulness and acceptance and self-compassion and um, experiential avoidance and distress tolerance, like all these kinds of things, right? That you um, would be exposed to reading psychology books every day. Um, and I just kind of like, saw those two worlds come together I saw how you know not only you know she pulled cards for me they felt very salient you know the images and the things that she said about them but that also how it almost felt immediately like I was able to 
make connections between the images and the, the things that I was seeing in the cards, the visual metaphors and some of the ideas that I was learning about at New Harbinger. Um, and like some of the things that I just mentioned, you kind of see those in the, the, the characters and the images. And that was so exciting for me um, as someone who just like thrives on um, the opportunity to like make connections between things that seem disparate um, and that was the beginning of the journey and it's just been going um, since then. It's been over 10 years and I'm just like more into it now than I have ever been. <laughs> Which listeners, if you haven't already connected with Jessica, like on your social media, you know, we can see some of the amazing work you're doing interpreting cards and you have a, um, a special um uh, what would you call it? Like a letter, an offering that you send out to um, to individuals, so people can jump on board with that to kind of understand more about these connections and how you're viewing the lens of these images, these you know tarots. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really evolved into um, just like a, I don't know how else to describe it, but like a creative practice of meaning making that it is spiritual. It's funny because I think like, I have spent a lot of time with my work trying to explain to people, well, I do tarot, I work with tarot, but it's not spiritual in the sense that I think people think like, um, and, and maybe it is, I don't know. Cause I don't know what people are thinking, but sometimes the kind of things that people say to me, I feel confused and I am like, oh, I, that's not really what I'm doing or how I'm thinking about it. But the practice of meaning making, like working with the images, reading things, living life, having conversations and finding connections all the time, just to me, it's just like generating meaning and understanding and finding connections. That for me, it is so spiritual because it's this process of like, feeling like there's something small and separate and then it's connecting with something bigger and these webs just are like constant. Um, and so, yeah, that's, and my newsletter is, is very much a reflection of that, that I think started with writing the book where I was like, I had to stop writing the book at a certain point and I didn't want to stop writing. I wanted to keep writing. So I started a newsletter and I kept writing about the cards. <laughs> So it's like a 2.0. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the sequel, the ever going sequel. I, I love that definition of spirituality, you know, like meaning making and connection, because to me, that really resonates this idea that we're like seeking connection and understanding our place in this web of all things. And that for some of it, some of us, it might come with a specific, like, um, more prescribed, you know, religious lens of, of some sorts through which we can see the world and through which we might relate to, um, to the cards. And for others, we might not have that, but that doesn't mean that we can't move into a spiritual um, sense of connectedness in a way that might be secular as well. And I think that's really important for our well-being. You know, we know um, religious and spiritual connection is important for well-being. And I think it's because it brings us that sense of meaning and we can make that. Yeah, um, it's something that I came across this winter um, since we, in the time since we last spoke uh, was um, through a class that I was taking with, um, well, it's like an online class through um, Yale, through these two professors in the, I think they're in the Divinity School in the Department of Forestry, which has like a, they have a, a like a religion and ecology program. 
and th there was like an intro class that I took online. It's like self-paced, you know, and, and whatever, but it's with lectures with them and stuff. And they were talking about like the dimensions of religious ecologies. And they talk about these four dimensions, which are like orienting, grounding, nurturing, and um, transforming. And I, I, of course, immediately, I, I guess I shouldn't say of course, but to me, in my mind, immediately, I think of the four suits in tarot, right? That the sword is orienting, the pentacle is grounding, the cup is you know, nurturing or nourishing, and the, the wand is transforming. And that these are kind of like these four dimensions of like spiritual or religious experience. And it, and, and that for me was so like, it was so, I think it helped me ground in like an understanding of how tarot, it really can be very spiritual. You know, you can be working with those, those energies and um, orienting yourself, like having a sense of what is going on? What is all this? What are my beliefs, right? And then kind of having the the grounding in the material and behavior and the body and your relationships, having the the nurturing, which is the cup, and it's kind of like, okay, where do I get my fulfillment and my um, sustenance? And then, of course, transforming with the wand is the fire, and it's like the that one is all about sort of like doing practices that connect the small self with the greater, um, and it just totally blew my mind. I, I almost feel like this is one of those things I'm like, oh, I was just waiting for an opportunity to like say this Yay. to someone. Um, <laughs> so really relevant to our conversation, but it's like, it's so exciting. And I feel like, oh, wow, this is so, it's very cool to see, especially people in the academy talking about religion in, a, in an academic way, um, in a way that like really applies to something like tarot that you would not see in an academic setting and especially not at Yale. I think that's really incredible and how I think that makes a lot of sense and that's really applicable like that's something that you can apply in terms of the cards like how you're leaning into the cards and, and the amazing work you do and gives us a sense as to, to how we actually apply something that might seem like esoteric in daily life doesn't it because we do need to constantly you know ground in and, and find ways of orienting, transforming, you know, that we actually move through this world. And I wonder if in a way then the cards, the suits are acting like a compass. Yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like the, you know, for, for people who might be listening who don't know much about tarot, the cards are kind of divided into two main sections, the major arcana and the minor arcana. And the suits that we're talking about now, these four, you know, the wands, cups, swords, and pentacles, those fit into the minor arcana. And I think of those as like really being very much to do with the day-to-day -day human experience, kind of the, what you might think of as like the small self activities, you know, it's like, okay, I have individual thoughts. I have individual feelings. I have individual behavior as a being inside of a human body. I have, you know, my own kind of energy and sense of energy. And then the major arcana is kind of like this bigger picture of like, okay. And once you, develop some skill in those areas why what is the purpose of it what are you connected to what is your place sort of in the cosmos um like what are the forces that are sort of that you're operating inside of and that you're participating in and it's really incredible I mean, tarot it, it's it's been amazing to me how I mean, I loved it from the beginning, from that first dinner party and I got my first set of cards and I really was so into it from the beginning and I have never lost the excitement and like I'm saying it, it only is getting more exciting the more you start to connect dots and 
and realize, wow, you know, these, these images are so, they're so ripe. There's just so much you can, you can find there. And, and two, I think they kind of become like these, like archives, um, actually Sila Satterstrom, who is a, a, a writer, a professor, um, and um, also a diviner, a tarot reader, um, talks about the, the major arcana as archives and kind of, I, I love that way of thinking about them as sort of like, they're these, almost these files where you learn things through life and it kind of goes up, that gets tucked into the chariot folder that gets tucked into the empress, you know? And I, that was very much how I was interacting with the cards from the beginning, just coming across things about psychology and behavior change and just sort of tucking them away inside these images, um, like mnemonic, devices that would help me remember when I needed them. Oh, I love that. And that again, just shows this marker of like this continuous evolution transformation that we're in. And then you've got this folder that kind of, I guess, marks time, which can be so useful, almost like coming back, having the conversation. So for listeners who are going, okay, major arcana, minor arcana, tarot cards, would you mind just sharing a little bit about what tarot cards are and their history? Yeah, so I always really like shrink away when people ask me about the history of tarot because I feel like it's something that it's is not an area that I've that I've really like done a lot of diligence in terms of I think it's kind of like a complicated history and like all history it's like it has to do with class struggle and it has to do with you know politics and power and so even what we think of as kind of like the authorized history of tarot that like people will say like 15th century Italy that is where we see the first deck that looks like the the contemporary decks where you have the major arcana minor arcana um but it's like that was like a wealthy Italian, you know, family that like commissioned an artist to make this deck. So where did they get the idea for that? Like, did that come from, right? There's a lot of persecution to a people like the Roma in, in the Mediterranean who are like using tarot cards, doing divination, doing fortune telling, who are being persecuted, where these practices are illegal. Um, so I think it's like a messy history. Mm. The, I'm sharing a little bit of what I know about it. Um, but I think... I think at least in the last century, you see people using the cards in more of like a therapeutic or a psychological way. It becomes a little bit less about the occult and the esoteric, not for everyone, but like for, for maybe more popular audiences who are interested in using the cards to explore, to get to know themselves. Um, so yeah, and I think, I guess one other thing that I would share too is that there's like also this use of the cards as um, like playing cards. They, it was a, it, the, the, the family in 15th century Italy, as far as I understand, like commissioned the artists to make these cards to use um, to play games. And so it's like, there's playing games, then there's using the cards for divination and fortune telling, then there's um, like, using the cards as like for occult purposes, like sort of believing that they have tucked inside of them, um, like sacred wisdom of the ancients that like just needs to be engaged with and can be unlocked. Um, and then there's sort of like maybe more of a popular contemporary use, which is like pulling cards and like talking about your feelings, which is 
much more the camp that I belong yeah, cool. to. So it's more like when people <laughs> say something that might sound a bit more like esoteric or something, and you're like, oh, that's not quite what I do. It might be in reference back to um, some of these these uses past, but more and more we're leaning into how we can use these cards, or at least you're leaning into how we can use these cards to kind of, as a way of talking about feelings and where someone's at and as, you know, archives for transformation in one's, in one's life journey along the way. So we can understand a bit more about, you know, how you might do a reading or how someone might use the cards to do the reading sort of based on the work that you've done. Jessica, could you give us just like a little bit of an overview as to how that might look like? Is it just a case of pulling a card and reflecting or how, how would you go about it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think there's, there's a few kind of like main contacts that I have experience with, which I can speak to, um, one is like, of course, just a personal practice. And that may be most interesting um, to listeners who maybe have never worked with tarot and are like, oh, this is so interesting. I mean, maybe I'm going to get a deck. And, and that is, to me, the way that I started was I would, pull, I, you know, I picked a time of the day for me. It was like before I went to sleep and in the morning, um, which are both times that I'm like reflecting, journaling, um, I would pull a card and then I would sort of like look up meanings i had a couple of books i would look online um and just like find things that resonated with me and and then i might journal about it or i might just like think about it and go to sleep and see what dreams i have you know like whatever that is but just kind of like connecting in a regular way with the images and seeing what happens um then there's like one-on-one -on -one work which is like something that i did later where i started doing like professional tarot readings um and that is sitting with somebody and, and pulling cards for them and then having a conversation in the way that I work, having a conversation about the cards and essentially using the cards as prompts to um, explore different um, dimensions of people's questions. Um, and then there's group work, which is something that is really exciting and I'm like really excited about now. Um, and actually, I think I kind of, started becoming interested in that while I was a graduate student in social work school, um, working in an eating disorder clinic as an intern. I was running groups there and there were people who were in the program that were into tarot. And, and when it kind of came out that I was into tarot and they were into tarot, it was like, oh, cool, let's do a, let's do a process group with tarot cards. And so we did a few and they were really great, like just seeing how people were able to connect their experiences with the cards with recovery. It was something really different from what they'd been doing. It wasn't a DBT group. It wasn't a, you know, a classic, like, you know, values clarification or something and not to like diminish the value of those things. Obviously they are really important, but I think when you're in something like a partial hospitalization program, those groups can get a little maybe monotonous or even for therapists, like, oh God, what group are we going to do? We got to do something interesting, mix it up. And tarot was like, ready to like jump in there and people really loved it so that like inspired i started doing with friends a, a thing called tarot circle in in it was like a, not a therapy group but just a, a community support group really where we would meet at this yoga studio here in west philadelphia and um sit in a circle and we would all pull cards for ourselves and then just kind of take turns sharing what we pulled and kind of collaborating on interpreting them and sharing ideas and um, so there, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to use the cards, but I would say those three are kind of the main ones that I 
I love that. And I love how you bring um, like a, a sacredness into it, right? Like that you kind of are like, okay, well, what are the times of the day where I'm in this mode of reflection? So you're able to, you know, anchor the tarot into this process of reflection that you might journal or might sit with it, see what comes up kind of overnight. And then, you know, holding that space when you're with someone kind of talking through reflecting. And I think, you know, healing transformation when done with another, it's a different process, isn't it as well? And then anchoring into a circle, my goodness, you know, and I, I kind of think back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of um, religious or spiritual impacts in terms of well-being. And I'm aware that there's been some research that's found that people who attend like weekly religious services will live an average of seven years more than others. And I I wonder if some of it is like that regular social connection, that sense that is unfolded when we come together. So how powerful to um, perhaps, you know, as an adjunct to what someone might be doing in their religious life or as a way of cultivating this sense of connectedness coming together in circle you know, not knowing kind of the inner details, like my mind is kind of going, wow, like that, that could be incredibly powerful on many levels. I totally agree. And I think now more than ever, two years into the pandemic, people are just really, um, I mean, and it was this way before too, like just people are isolated. And, and I think, you know, people in like our generations like are maybe not necessarily um feeling comfortable or resonating with religious community or organized religion in the same way that previous generations were and so you know to be able to go into a group and use tarot or astrology or things that really are interesting and cool and and different and where you can you know I think one of the things that is so awesome about tarot and astrology um, is that they are, they're participatory, like it's, I think it's, it's pretty easy to understand that the interpretation and the right to interpret belongs to the, the people, the folks, the common. And that's, that is different from, I think, with something like religion where there's scripture there, you know, there are authorities who will interpret things and tell you what things mean. And I've come across that a lot with tarot. Like when I, you know, used to do daily cards on Twitter and I did that for several years. And um, every once in a while I would get people who would say, well, that's not what that card means. How did you, you know, I would do like a little caption for a poll each day. And, and And they were usually like somewhat related maybe to some, you know, like, classic whatever that means interpretation of the card but a lot of times it was like I was riffing and I was going with things that I was connections that I personally was making or seeing in my life or with people that I knew and um I I was was very like resolved that like no like I you know at first you I'm like oh god am I doing something wrong that's kind of my tendency to feel like oh I'm I'm doing something bad I should I be ashamed you know and then realizing no you know this is this is symbols are meant to be interpreted. Their meanings compound over time. That's the way it is. And I think it's really, really important for people to like know that like we're allowed to make meaning for ourselves that serves our, our communities and the issues that we face and deal with instead of always needing other people to tell us 
you know, here's the book of what the cards mean, or here's a book of what whatever it is means. Um, so yeah, I, there's a ton of ways in which group work with something like tarot can be incredibly powerful, not only for learning, you know, some of those more self-help type things, like, like in our tarot circle, like I said, it wasn't a therapy group, but a lot of the people in the group were in therapy. And so people would share, oh, my therapist taught me to do this, or, you know, I, you know, and, and that way we're doing skill share in a way as well with peers. Um, but also just having this like broader experience of beyond the minor arcana stuff, the, the sort of individual day to day and, and into the major arcana stuff, which is like, I belong to something bigger than just myself. And there's, there's a larger reason um, for me to be understanding my thoughts, feelings and behavior and energy than simply, um, you know, whatever personally, you know, determined to find values I might've identified as, as mattering, like there's more to it. And that is like, whew, it's so exciting. Yeah, exciting <laughs> and powerful yeah. and transformative and connecting. Like it's, it's all, it's all the things, isn't it, Jessica? And as you said, like yeah. in our culture right now, like in a way, I think we are, we're looking for that sense of connection and a place where we fit and a place that is empowering because maybe when we look to some of the things that have unfolded in the past, we maybe don't feel that um, that subscribing to a specific dogma fits for where we're at and how we um, choose to be in this world. And, and this sounds really powerful in, t- in terms of a different lens, a different way of relating that is still connecting and transformative. In, in terms of transformation, you know, you obviously have an amazing offering, um, Tarot for Change, your wonderful book and (laughs) the ongoing, the ongoing version that (laughs) listeners can access (laughs) by way of your, your offerings. Would you mind just perhaps talking us through a card as we kind of move to conclude today? Would that be possible? You have cards? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to pull a card and we can talk about it together, that would be great. This is going to be very exciting. Though. Let's see. Let's do see we have like a, a guiding, like, do we have like a, a query or we just, we just want to pull a card just, just for the card's sake, which is totally cool. I'm into that too. I guess, I guess the query could maybe be around like listeners taking action, you know, and, and what they might lean into today, like after kind of listening this podcast as they, you know, pull out their earbuds or kind of move on with whatever they're doing, maybe what's pulled the lens might be kind of like supporting them in their, in their day and their, you know, yeah. next unfolding. Is that, is totally. that anchoring enough? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's see where we're at. So we have, um, Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Great card. Great pull. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I guess like the first thing that I would do working with the card is like, just kind of looking at the image, really like sitting with and looking at the image. And I think it almost gets harder the more you know about the cards because you have to like really challenge yourself not to just go for the, the preset, um, associations or interpretations like oh the sun means freedom and like joy and and sure like it totally can but then like really just like sitting with it in a moment is like such a practice so I would say that like that's the first thing that is coming up for me with this card because um I think 
it is one of those cards that's very evocative, the sun. And talking a little bit about what is on the card, there's a, there's a sun, of course, with a face, and then there's our sunflowers, and there's a baby, a naked baby riding a white horse, um, and there's no saddle, no reins, and the baby's like arms and legs are like out, like almost like a starfish. Um, and what that image brings up for me, like just to give an example of how you might make an association with an image, I've been taking horseback riding lessons for the last like year and a half. And I sometimes have, um, to do this thing, I say have to because I don't really like doing it. Um, where my teacher like invites me to, you know, let go of the reins, take my feet out of the stirrups, and just focus only on, you know, like my seat, like grounding on the horse's body without having anything to hold on to. And I always think of that now since I've been doing that when I look at that sun card because I'm like, for that baby to be on that horse in that position they must be really centered. Like they must be really centered in their, in whatever part of their body, like really, like if you think of um, like, if you practice yoga or like a seated meditation where you're like really in your, in your pelvis, like in your sit, sitting bones, like that baby is really grounded in that. They're like really connected. Um, and that's where they're like getting their source of like power, like whatever is happening in that card. So. I want to like, I'm going to stop. I would love to hear from you like if you have anything that's coming up or that you're thinking about. <laughs> I love that. And I, I wonder if too, like this idea of um, not having ridden a horse myself, I once rode a mule as a child. So I've ridden a mule. Um, but, you know, like that's something I wonder if the grounding then like allows the freedom, like there, there's something about, you know, otherwise you know, we could be totally chaotic, couldn't we, if we don't have like our center, that maybe that centering is where we find a lot of freedom and the power to unfold and, you know, ever expand like the sun's I infinite reach. I love that. And it, and it, yeah, it feels like too, just to build off of what you're saying that through that grounding, the baby in the image is able to go where life is taking them. You know, I think of the horse as kind of like this, this symbol of like, it's an animal so like an animal is alive and is like instinctual like I'm thinking of some of the kind of common interpretations like the way that people think of animals or horses like you know um being carried like where life wants to take you it's kind of like a part of and I I, I feel like I interact with this lesson a lot riding a horse it's like there are some things that you have control over when you're like riding another animal and there are there are many things that you do not have control over when you're riding another animal and so it's kind of like when you get that grounding you have the ability to um like move where life like to be attuned with like where life is trying to take you but also to like have a sense of where your agency is and have a sense of you know where your agency is not and um it, yeah what a what a powerful yeah powerful. Oh, totally. 
And, and knowing that is like, I, I guess there's security in that. And I wonder with the sunflowers possibly, because there's obviously nurturance that's coming from the sun. That's like this receiving mm-hmm. of it, that almost in receiving like the, the call of the sun, the freedom of the sun and being grounded there in earth, like soaking up the nurturance from the grounding, if there's some sort of symbolism or we, we could, we could yeah, layer but it. I, love, I mean, this is, I think this is great. And it was like, feels like a perfect card to illustrate what it looks like to work with a card, especially with another person. And obviously you can do this on your own, but just volleying back and forth, like, oh yeah, this is making me think of this. And and then what's it making you think of? And oh, well, yeah. And there's so much that emerges through dialogue when you're like working with an image, as opposed to just um, when you're working alone, but also working alone can be really powerful too, as obviously both of us each are having our own connections with and like, ideas about what the image is saying yeah i'm probably each sitting in our you know our specific seat right now and kind of looking for what we yeah. need in this moment and and kind of finding that that sense of um yeah, security almost from, from the process that there's a sense of security as we look for what we almost need in a moment. So I guess with listeners, then you might be going, okay, so maybe what we've kind of offered here is, you know, uh, an opportunity to reflect on how they could use the cards. And also that reminder of grounding in, so you can kind of transform Mm -hmm. outward, you know, that it's, it's really important that we do have grounding, whether it's, you know, a circle that we kind of move into or connect with, or, you know, find Finding the like-minded souls where we can, where we can kind of have a sense of connection and the security that comes from that in an, in a world that can at times feel lonely or where we might be seeking, you know, something more expansive that maybe is less prescriptive than, than things maybe, you know, of, of our past. And, and from there kind of moving forward and un- unfolding like the sun, you know, finding our light. I love that. And it, it ties in so nicely with that thing that I was talking about earlier with the like the dimensions of religious ecologies and that grounding dimension and the grounding that we see in the sun image with the baby on the horse because I I think I mentioned this earlier that like the grounding dimension is and I was sort of surprised by this the way that Mary Evelyn Tucker and John Grimm describe it is that it it is that's the relational dimension of of religion. And I, I was so like excited by that because I think when I think of grounding, I think of, okay, you know, get my circadian rhythm, you know, in check, make sure I'm going to bed and getting up and, and eating regular meal times and doing my yoga practice, being in my body. I think that's a product of uh, sort of living in a really individualistic culture that I would think that grounding would be something that I could do privately, like on my own, but we see in the image that grounding is, it's, it's actually found in relationship with another being with the horse and the baby. And that's what you're saying too. And I, I think that's really uh, amazing. (laughs) I agree. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so nice to be able to hold this space and to, to have this conversation and, and look, you know, to, to your wisdom around the cards, Jessica. And I know listeners are probably just like, tell me how, tell me how I keep in contact. So where, where can listeners learn more, connect more? Where are you at? Um, so yeah, I, thank you for asking. Um, I, so I did write a book, as you mentioned, called Tarot for Change. And that book is kind of like, 
It includes a collection of um, reflections on each of the 78 cards. Um, it's illustrated by Javier Lopez, who is an incredible artist um, that did like renderings based on Pamela Coleman Smith's illustrations from the Right Away Smith um, tarot deck. And um, the book um, also has like, just kind of like an introduction of like my story, but also introduction of like how to start a tarot practice and that sort of thing. So I would say like, that's one thing. And then, I mean, I'm on the internet, I'm on social media. I have Twitter and Instagram. My handles are the Jessica door. Um, and then my main thing right now is uh, my offerings, as you mentioned, which are, it's a newsletter and I have a, a weekly offering and a, a monthly offering. The monthly offerings I've been doing for since 2016. Um, and then last summer started making them weekly um, as part of like a paid Substack thing. So it's like five bucks a month. You subscribe, you know, you can get it. And it's like just me like writing essays about <laughs> ideas and weaving them together with the cards and psychology and religion and just various things that I'm interested in. Um, and, and the monthly one is free, so you don't have to pay to get it, but you can sign up there um, on Substack. Um, and there's a link to that on my website, jessicador.com, um, but you can like Google it too, I don't know. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes as well so that it's easy access listeners. So I'll put the links to um, Jessica's socials, to her book, as well as to her website and Substack there so that it's easy and, you know, I guess we want to support people in their change too, right? And and your offerings are so rich and it is, you know, as you said, weaving, like it's wonderful weaving of worlds. And I think it brings this sacredness to it in a really modern and reflective, psychologically informed um, manner. And I really appreciate it, Jessica. And this conversation has been incredibly enriching and wonderful. So thank you so much for your time thank and your you. space. Yeah. Thank today. you. Thank you for your kind words and for inviting me to talk. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of glad that we got to talk a second time because yeah, it feels like the winter was kind of, um, a good, uh, <laughs> it was a good time to just, you know, it was the last time we talked for those listening was, right around the time my book came out and I was like pretty tightly wound. And so I'm feeling like much more relaxed and this conversation has um, been really, really lovely. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And yeah, I think um, a nice reminder that sometimes where <laughs> errors, where challenges unfold, yeah. there can be really beautiful yeah. results. So perhaps a reminder for us all. Well, I hope that you found that interview with Jessica as inspiring, connecting, and I really, I really think Jessica does just a wonderful job of grounding these offerings that, as you heard in the interview, could be perceived as perhaps in the past quite esoteric. She brings it back to modern psychology and to this ability to archive to understand ourselves, our experiences in this moment and through time in a really powerful way, in a way that allows us to create meaningful change and meaning in our lives. So head off, 
grab your tarot cards or, you know, if you don't have tarot cards, perhaps heading over to Jessica's offerings and looking if there might be something she's pulled recently that aligns for you. Allow yourself the opportunity to ground. And in that grounding, whether it is like Jessica said, some of the individual practices around, you know, going to sleep, honoring your circadian rhythm, eating well, getting into your body through a movement practice, or more broadly connecting in with like mind, like souls around you, allow yourself to ground into yourself, into your being, and then expand out, moving into the light, the sun, into your future. And I would love to connect with you next week on Wisdom for Wellbeing. So I will look forward to dropping into your earbuds then, wishing you and yours well. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.